Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast Season 5. Never forget that to the best of us, protection's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. Enjoy. Boom. What's going on, you guys? Byron Rogers here. Another episode of the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. I've got an amazing guest here. And one of the reasons I even started this is to really canonize and try and capture the information, the knowledge, the wisdom of people who um, have gone before us and done a lot more in this industry that I have. So today I've got Will Geddes with me and he's one of those individuals. It's an honor, sir. Hey, Byron, it's an honor for me, my friend. Uh, You're doing some great stuff across the pond uh, for our American cousins and friends. And, And I have to say, I follow you very avidly. I think you do some great stuff. I think you provide that kind of balanced approach to executive protection. You take out, can I swear on your podcast, yeah, Warren? You can do whatever you want. Absolutely. I am a Brit, I am a Brit, so I'm sure your, your, your viewers will understand. Yeah, you cut out the bullshit and that there is, in the whole executive protection world, and you know this better than anybody, uh, there is a, a real job that we have to do to try and demystify from the kind of perception of what executive protection is. And this is really important for, I think, two reasons. I think the first reason is for people considering coming into the industry and recognizing and understanding that they're gonna have to work bloody hard. It's not all private jets. It's not all five-star hotels. It's, It's not traveling with the nicest principles in the world. And some of these people, you probably wouldn't want to give your life up for, but you're being paid to do so and put yourself potentially yeah. at risk. And I think secondly for us guys, you know, I've been in the industry 30 years now, Byron. Uh, I know I still look very young. I started early. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, for us guys, us guys, you know, the, 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 the guys like yourself, Byron, you've been in the industry, you've been around the block, you've been at the good end, you've been at the real shitty end. You know, I think it's important for us to remember and and keep humble about what it is that we actually do. And I love the message that you send out um, because it's so on point. Thank you. Thank you. And that means a whole lot coming from you, sir. hundred percent. It really does. It's always good to hear those things. And I also really have been wanting to, I don't know, connect the two industries. You know, I, I want guys to understand the differences and I want people to see there's so many different shades of what we do around the world, different um, client demographics, whether it's, you know, the green rush, the executives, the high net worth families, the faith-based stuff. There's so much, you know, and I, yeah. it's really awesome to talk to someone from, you know, that side of things. Um, so I'm excited to do that, you know, talk about some similarities and differences as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think you and I have both been, you know, at each end of the spectrum. And and as a professional EP operator, if you want to work, you've got to expect to work right across that spectrum. Yeah, 100 percent. It's a service. It's a service industry, man, uh, no matter where you're at. So, you know, taking it back to the beginning, you know, you've got this like James Bond mystique. I love it. And I think, I think too, you know, making this look good is, is a thing, you know, and you do that. Um, and you I, don't do I, a bad I, job yourself, mate. You don't do a bad job yourself. I, I, I certainly know a few females who are like, he could protect me pretty much any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. It's a real thing. If the physical fitness stuff, all that stuff will take guys farther in this game. And I try to tell them that. But who are you at your core? You know, who's the man behind the work? You know, that's my favorite first question to dig in with. Well, <clears throat> wow, that's a good and profound question, Byron. Uh, and where can I start with that? 
I think, you know, again, this is a message that you've communicated very clearly to, to you know, your, your support base, your fan base. And that is you take an oath when you go into this business. Um, mm. You know, you have to have at your fundamental core a requirement or a need or a desire or an empathy to want to protect people. Because quite often we will be needed and to, to support and provide protection when people are at their darkest, darkest hour, you know, they've received a death threat, they've had a child kidnapped, they're stuck in a country which they can't get out of. You know, these are people who can quite often be huge powers of industry. And, and one of the things I always explain to my principals when I first work with them is that, you know, I understand you know, they've, they've been able to control their universe. They've been able to control their world. And this event or incident has happened, which has now removed that control. They don't have control. It's the worst thing that they uh, could experience because they've never been used to it before or not for many, many years. And they have to rely and trust on us to give them the best advice, to tell them what they need to do, what they can't do, and how they need to do it to make sure that they or their children feel safe. I mean, I'll throw this question back at you, Byron, if I may. How many times have you had a principal who's had a death threat, for example, who will go, I'm fine. It's my wife and my kids I'm most worried about. Yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of the answer. <laughs> you, know, you know, and we so often have to actually explain to them and say, "Yeah, don't worry, the, the kids, the wife, they're going to be looked after, but we need to take care of you as well." And it's that struggle that they will have with their ego, with their pride, with that loss of control, to be able to bestow that trust in us and say, "Look, we need you uh, to be- to believe in us." And I, I, I don't know about you, Byron. I've had a few gigs where I've turned up and I know the chemistry isn't right. And chemistry is everything in this business. And, you know, your principles got to love the color of your eyes and the way that you present yourself. And if you don't present well, and it could be just a mishmash of chemistry, you yeah. have to accept that you are not the guy to do that job. And someone else may be better placed to do it. Right. doesn't happen often, no. but it. It does sometimes. It can happen. Absolutely. No, that's huge in this game. And I think the ego is really interesting because this this seems to be one of the industries where everyone knows how to do security. Like it's like the clients <laughs> don't, I don't see them giving their doctor advice on how to do doctor stuff or even the lawn care guys, you know, they're kind of like, you know, I want this trimmed a little bit more, but they're not telling them how to do their job. And you have to be like, take pride in what you do, but you also have to listen because you mm. have to a product that they want around and that they're comfortable with. And it's really interesting. I remember I, I one of the best pieces of advice I had from uh, a very, very well-known industrialist. If I mentioned his name, you'd certainly know him, Byron. Uh, many of the viewers probably will as well. And he said to me, I want you to be as close enough to be able to protect me, but not so close I have to introduce you. Yeah, yes, yes. And that's the game, you know, that's, that's really the game. That's, that's, it's seatbelt security. You know, one of the other, you know, people that I've listened to over the years uh, from direct action group, he'd say that it's seatbelt security. You want to be just as comfortable as they want you. So they actually wear you, you get too stiff. They're going to take you off, you know, and yeah, that's how the best do it. Boom. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I want to encourage you to come and train with me, train with us, the league of executive protection specialists. We offer online courses so you can train and learn how to take your executive protection career to the next level from the comfort of your own home. Uh, We offer on-ground training on everything from the hard skills of driving, shooting, medical, 
um, and into the soft skills through the Executive Protection Immersion Course, which is one of the most experiential, learning-centric courses in the executive protection industry. Either way, I want you to become part of the golden standard in the private security industry and join the Brotherhood, the League of Executive Protection Specialists. Go to epspecialist.com and let's do our careers together. I'll see you there. Out. I can tell you a good story about when I went to Sao Paulo once. I yeah. went with a, a U.S. company, traveled mm-hmm. down there. I was doing a road show, uh, going to all their offices in, where were we? Mexico City, Sao Paulo, Buenos Aires, Caracas, uh, Bogota. So we went to all of them. And it was the head of security for this, this big U.S. firm and me. And I was doing some counter counter hijacking and kidnapping training doing some security reviews of the building that sort of thing you know we can go into this on 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 the chat if you want and uh oh. the local regional head he turned around and he basically said um he said i don't need this training I, i'm fine i've lived in uh, sao paulo for the last year never had a problem i'm fine i get a call three months later his two children had been kidnapped so the next time I saw him was when I flew in to do the negotiation for the uh, for the children to get them back. And uh, and he just looked at me and I said, no words are necessary. Let's just crack on. Let's get this done. Wow. No, that's that's the way the world. I mean, that's the way the world works. You know, <laughs> you yeah. make that statement. I mean, humility is like an armor. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it just greases everything, makes things easier you know, I have some people that, you know, I've trained with or work with that have built these brands and they're, you know, every once in a while, they'll say something about imposter syndrome. And I'm like, I completely get it. I completely understand. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You get up there and, you know, you, you got to perform and all that. But for me personally, I think the advantage I might have had is I just never been so amazing at anything. So the whole, <laughs> whole entire time I've been like, yeah, I'm like 5'10". You know, I've never been, you know, like... I've never been that amazing. I've always, you know, we get, we go on a run with the platoon and I'm like, you know, yeah. Yeah. B plus B minus guy, you know? And so I've always been like, I'm just a student. So I've learned that humility makes life so much easier because you, you don't have to worry about the fall from grace, you know, like I'll take the class. I can learn something, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And it's, it's, it's armor for some of you guys out there that might be, you know, coming up in the game. Just remember yeah. humility is, very powerful, actually. I totally agree. Couldn't agree more, Byron. And I think also the other thing is, you know, you're a very smiley, friendly guy. So so am I. Um, and you don't have to turn up steely-jawed, steely-eyed, looking like a, a death dealer and a soul taker. You know, right. you you know, you you're someone who's got to be able to communicate right across the board, whether it be with the personal assistant, whether it be the cleaner, whether it be the housekeeper, whether it be the kids, whatever. You've got to be able to communicate. And if you walk in the door looking like you know the Grim Reaper has arrived, you know you're just going to scare the shit out of people. Well, and added, added added to which, you know, probably, and I don't know about you, Byron, but probably most the most dangerous people the people that i wouldn't want to be up against who i can thankfully you know call as friends uh, right. are probably the most dangerous people that i know are the nicest gentlest uh most humble people imaginable absolutely and you wouldn't see him coming it's like oh yeah it's like a dad in a sweatshirt you know and it's like no that guy has an ear necklace in his garage like that's the guy <laughs> you know it's like 
<laughs> you don't know, you know, yeah, 100%, man. I 100% agree with you. So there's another another quick one. I got to jump in. I'm sorry, Biden. You, you you know me, buddy. You've seen, you've seen what I'm like. I just blather on. My, oh, my yeah. very quick one, quick indent, which I'm sure you'll appreciate, is uh, again about keeping physical fit. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm 57, um, but I'm training. I'm boxing five times a week. I'm running. I'm doing weights. I'm doing everything I possibly can. And I always have. But, you know, you don't have to, you know, don't worry if you don't look steely-eyed and square-jawed. And I remember that lovely line in The Bodyguard, that classic film for all of us, Byron, you know, with Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. Uh, When he first turns up and Whitney turns around to him and goes, you don't look like a bodyguard. And he goes, this is my disguise. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. But, yeah, no, I think there's so much you need to be able to sell security or know that you are physically fit enough to perform, to outperform another human being. You know, you, you, the whole consideration of your brand is going to represent their brand as they walk around, as people see you, as you walk in and you advance and do the stuff. And, you know, I, I, I know so many good guys that go through our school that whip it on into training, do all these things and they're awesome and they have the right heart. But I'm just like, you have to master that physical fitness. You don't have to be pretty, but you got to be fit. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely got to sprint training. I'd say if there was one bit of training, I would advise to anybody in the CP game, and you know this because it's quite often actions on or immediate actions because something's happened. It's that very fast cardio. It's that ability to think fast when you're under pressure. Sprint training, we all hate doing it, but that's the one thing that should really, I, I personally think, should configure in every EP's training regime. 100%, 100%, because those intense intervals get that heart rate up. Um, It's intense, man. And it's what you're going to need. you got to perform at those levels. What would show background? Let's go into your background, sir. I don't want to butcher it. It's the influence (laughs) question. We hate it. You get in the van, you get in the CP, everyone's kind of sniffing around a little bit, and someone just asks, hey, man, what's your background, right? So they want to know. We have to ask the question. So you can imagine... um, when I started 30 years ago, the only people who were doing EP, and a lot of guys today who are doing EP, are either from one of the traditional backgrounds. They're either ex-law uh, enforcement officer or they're ex-military. I was neither. I, I'm a civilian. I'm a dirty civvy. Um, that's not to say I haven't had my, my, my fair run. But when I first came in, you know, guys would go, you know, or the clients would turn around and they'd say, you know, which special forces were you in or which law enforcement agency were you in? And I go, none. And they'd look at me blankly and they go, what are you doing here? So backtracking to that, I started very early age in martial arts um, or was a big exponent, big fan from the age of seven. Started with judo, moved through many other disciplines, enjoyed it, went out to Japan, went out to Hong Kong, trained, taught in some schools in Hong Kong, ended up training some members of the Royal Hong Kong Police uh, trained some people within the special duties division, which are, you know, the kind of SWAT, you know, specialist arm. There was a lot of British uh, military that were out there because it was still under British governorship at the time. Uh, and then I, f- I fell into bodyguarding. Now, bodyguarding for me, uh, and I would call it bodyguarding rather than executive protection. Bodyguarding yeah. is probably, you know, this is the word that us as EPs, we hate generally, don't you? Or I do anyway, because bodyguarding sounds like a big lumbering idiot who just yeah. simply turns up and does it. Well, that was me. Yeah. Mobile balance. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was me, Byron. I was I was uh, a hit and run kind of guy. So literally, <laughs> if there was a problem, I'd just smack someone and then literally just pull the principal out and off and away. There was no finesse. Yeah. 
There was no planning. There was no consideration of anything sensible at all. It was just violence, you know. If there's a problem, <laughs> violence will solve it. <laughs> you could probably get away with it in that time period. This is before all the suing and all the crazy stuff, you know, maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, and in, in, in China, in Hong Kong, you know, I was taking sort of very dodgy businessmen. My, my evening's pay, Baron, you'd love this, was about 50 bucks for a night. And I'd literally take uh, like a dodgy Chinese businessman to some moody restaurant at the back of which was a, an illegal mahjong game. Okay. And there were triads and all sorts of shit going on. And literally, I would uh, I'd, I'd get him in. I, the shit I saw, I can't tell you. Uh, I mean, certainly, you know, unless this is going out over the watershed and it's an adult-only audience. Um, but I know there are some kids that, that watch this show as well, so I'll be careful what I say. But, you know, yeah. that I, I saw some really extreme stuff. And uh, and literally, if there was a problem, it was like, just hit anybody who's within arm's reach and I'll get my principal out. Uh, and then I came back to the UK and uh, and then I set up a personal protection company and I had a really amazing mentor a guy who was in the British Special Forces, um, and he was one of the old and the bold. He was in B Squadron in SAS, Special Air Service. Um, much older than me, bit of a father figure for me in many ways, and a mentor. And I think mentoring is so important. And I, I, I remember how important that was for me to learn the business. I try and mentor people you know, who are coming into the business. If they're showing the right commitment, I I think we have to do a bit of a Mr. Miyagi sometimes, you know, yeah. if, if, they're, if they're dedicated, they're focused, they're, they're driven, they're prepared to go through hell week and they're prepared to go through all the, 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 the crap and take it and not be precious, then I will give them my time and I will fine tune them as best I can. But he did that to me. I then ended up sort of uh, getting involved in uh, extending that. I was emptying a lot of Hereford, which is where the SAS come from, and Poole, which is where the SBS come from, the Special Bird Service, which is the, the kind of equivalent to your Navy SEALs. And uh, I had a lot of these guys. It was hilarious. They were coming in and we were taking people to Mexico and to Sudan and all sorts of places. And then I ended up going to Iraq. I was down there for three years. Had some great guys, a lot of ex-Special Forces guys. They taught me the skills and drills in the field, you know, how to use firearms, uh, fire maneuvers, all that sort of stuff. So as a civilian, I didn't have all that boot camp shit. I didn't you know, <laughs> have to do all that. After didn't have to have a uniform. Yeah, exactly. Learn in the combat zone. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. So, so three years in Iraq, two years in Afghanistan, uh, spent some time pretty much all over the world, most of the hotspots I've operated in. And then yeah. inevitably with corporate clients, we got involved in all sorts of things like extractions. I did a big one in 1998 during the Suharto and Habibi sort of uprising in uh, Jakarta, where basically the whole place went to rat shit. And we had to drag out basically 100 uh, you know, expatriates and locals, get them back out of that country. So me and a team literally dropped in, fought our way through the city, got these guys Got them on buses, got them out, got them on an airframe, got them out to Malaysia and Singapore. Uh, and yeah, I mean, since then, I, I've had some great teachers around me. And that, that, that I go to exactly the point that you said, Byron. I can learn from everybody. I may have been in this game 30 years, but I can always learn from someone. Even if it's something I don't want to do, I can always learn something. 100%. Yeah, I love that, man. The, the, it's an honor. I love that you gave us the full rundown. Um, the civilian factor. I feel like there's like something that should really be said for the civilians in this game because yeah. Luke Agajanian, he was a civilian, straight civilian. He was kind of the guy that got me into the industry and mentored me partially in this game. 
And, uh, you know, there's so many greats that are at the top of the game. Uh, Elijah Shaw, Christian Westlake, guys that have impacted the whole industry. They're civilians, you know, but then you still yeah. have the stick that like, you know, military and law enforcement are kind of the good old boys, but it's kind of a thing. And there's like some advantages to it. I feel like I get guys on the firing line. I'm doing an end doc to get on a detail. We want to be as advertised. I got my military guy. I got my law enforcement guy. I got my civilian military guys. Like, yeah, I just got back from my rack. You know, this is going to be easy. <laughs> and then I got my law enforcement guys. Like, yeah, this is going to be easy. We shoot, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, we're going to do basic quals. I'm not the, no performance drills, just you're going to carry a gun in service as a client, my company, I need to know that you're on or above law enforcement levels. I'm proficient. Yeah. You're a, prof- you're an actual professional. Right. And then my civilian guy, you know, what's your background? Oh, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I train, I, I shoot some competitions. I go to some courses, but I'm ongoing training. We get out there, civilian guys doing just fine. I'm not asking a lot, but he's doing just fine. My military law enforcement guys are struggling because I feel like the background becomes a stumbling block at some point. I agree. I agree. You know, Byron, you've really, you're one of the few people who actually understands this. I get a lot of guys who message me regularly, you know, who are thinking of coming into the industry and they go, I'd really love to do what you do, but I'm a civilian. I can't get into it. So when I turn around and say, well, hey, I'm a civilian, they go, oh my God, okay, it's possible. It's doable. The thing I find with a lot of military guys, and, you know, I count countless guys as good friends who are from all different arms of uh, the, you know, the, the armed services and the military and guys from law enforcement. They come with a preset approach, which is their kind of stratagem. This is how you deal with it. This is how you operate. And if they are split up, and that was another thing I'm going to pick up on that you said, which is so valuable, that they can only do it that way. They're too rigid in the way that they operate. And you know that, you know, when guys come out, I always turn around to them. I say, we've got to provide platinum solutions on a tinfoil budget. So you're not going to get all the resources and the toys and you're going to get all the the stuff that you want, you know. Platinum (laughs) solutions on a tinfoil budget. I mean, that might be the name of the it was so good. That's awesome. but, But you're right about if you put too many of the same ilk on a team, Ah, it can be a fucking disaster. I, I had that. I had I used to at one point use just special forces guys. I didn't mm-hmm. pick from parachute regiment or Royal Marines. Uh, and I just literally have SF guys. And they were a fucking nightmare. They they literally were so cliquey. They would literally kind of glue together and then they became like unruly children. And I I mean, I remember sacking a, a bunch of five guys who were all ex, you know, literally just walked out of SAS. And I said, yeah. the lot of you are fucking useless. Off. <laughs> they, they went. So <laughs> I learned from that time. I mean, the point you made is so valuable. You've got to mix the team up. You've got to have different people from different backgrounds. And and the, the, the one consistent between all of them is they've got to be good at the soft skills. The soft skills. Any, any guy can come with the hard skills. Anybody yeah. can come with the hard skills. If they can't do the soft skills, they won't survive. They literally won't survive. And there's been so many guys that are good dudes. I would go to war shoulder to shoulder with them right now, but I've seen them get left on the runway because of soft mm. skills. And it, it's yeah, broken yeah. my heart. I'm just sitting there like, wow, this is happening, man. This this guy can keep you safer than me if mm. something happened right here, right now. But, yeah. you know, soft skills. Um, I had one of those guys in Iraq with me. He was an ex SAS guy. He was only about three foot tall. I mean, a lot of SF guys over here. They're not. They're not six foot seven giants. They're all kind of sub six foot. Most of these guys, 
and they yeah. look like everything and they look like everybody they don't look like you know you, you look at them and go you don't look special forces you look you look as though you'd have a heart attack if you ran up those stairs but i had this one guy this tiny little fella uh yeah. vicious mick as we called him and literally we couldn't have him near the client you know we we, we said look here's a 50 cal kill anything that comes in this direction he was brilliant yeah <laughs> put him in front of the client forget it well, he's he's one of those break glass during times of war. Yeah. Pull him out of the package, put him out there, and he just does his thing, you know. And those yeah. guys are awesome, but you got to protect him on the detail. Um, yeah. So, so I wanted to I wanted to accentuate that for the civilians listening. If you put in the work, and and also the less rigidity that you have, actually, in many cases, makes it easier for you to connect with a client. You know, um, military law enforcement guys walk into some rooms, and it's like, oh, the cops are here. Oh, there's military guys. There's certain demographics that actually appreciate yeah. having, like, okay, the stress is low. I feel normal. I'm with someone who actually kind of doesn't have that stiffness sometimes. Yeah. So there's advantages to it, you know. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this. This I'd also say I'd also say the most important person and thing in your life is this, because if I call you and you don't pick up, you miss the work. Yep, you're dead in the water. Yeah, let's go into some <laughs> advice for guys wanting to get into the industry. You know, what would you say right now for 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 guys that are wanting to get in and gals that are wanting to get into the game? Okay, um, more girls. We definitely more need more girls. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I've I've done EP details with female executives and principals, and we are restricted from what we can do. We, you know, even in these gender neutral times that we live in, you know, we can't go into the washroom with uh, a female principal, and the and the threat could be in the washroom. You know, if it's someone who's a celebrity, she comes out, she's fixing her hair or her makeup, and a couple of other girls come out the stalls and then go, "We think you're shit," or "We love you," or whatever. And what can we do? We're stuffed. Um, female principals, I, you know, I've met some badass women as well. I'd equally take into the fire with me, you know, who are just as good. And, and I'd love to encourage more women to do it, but you're, you're going to be treated the same as the guys don't, don't, don't think any special dispensation is going to be made for you. You're prepared to knuckle down. You're prepared to screw the nut. Very important. Number one, come in with humility. You know, it's like, if I go into someone else's dojo, I'll walk in with a white belt. I don't want anybody to know what my game is. I keep it to myself. Uh, if, you know, they'll, they'll find out or they won't, but that'll be my choice. Walking with humility, walking serious, but retain a sense of humor because yeah. you know what the hours are like, Byron. We can be stuck in a reception waiting for a principal for hours. We can be sat on the pan waiting for the jet to arrive. And you want to be around people that are actually going to be fun, people who are going to take the job seriously, can switch in a moment, either to be serious the moment the principal steps off, you know, comes down the steps on the jet uh, or comes out this of the, the lift important. into the reception. <laughs> like, is this guy yeah. going to suck to work with? Is this girl or guy, you know what I mean? And being yeah. able to be efficient, but also grease it with a sense of humor. And like, and that, that emotional intelligence really matters when the client's yeah. like doing what the clients do and we're trying to keep up. And they're like, I want to go to that one place that I was at last Thursday uh, with the good burritos. And you got to just like osmosis. In yeah. And make yeah. It yeah. You, know? you want someone who can just flow, you know, those guys that get all emotional, like, but we have an event and we have a dinner. It's like, bro, stop, stop. stop. No, 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 no. This no. Is Humility is key. Humility is key. If you need to go and pick up the the, the, the principal's dog shit because it's shat in the uh, reception area, you do it. You know, it's like if I walk into a hotel with a principal or I, they're on the advance, 
Uh, I will find the general manager. I'll find the head of security. The first thing I will say to them is, I am your guest, as is my principal. I appreciate that you are allowing your facility, your home to be open to us to visit. We will not impose. We will not cause disruption to your other guests. We will be really low key, really low profile. We're not here to create any problems. And if there are, as the TL, come and see me. Right. So many of them are, it's amazing, Byron. You probably get this as well. So many of these guys come around and say, oh my God, this, I'd, I'd never get this. I get these stupid BGs and these EPs walking in, pushing people out of the Thank way, you. thinking they rule the fucking place. And you know what? You going in and saying, hey, if there's any problems, please come to me. But I'm going to make sure my team is low profile and we don't disturb or, or cause any disruption to the operating of your your, your lovely site. And yeah. and they love it because you're already setting the bar to saying, you know, we're, 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 we're humble rather than mm-hmm. we're ruling the risk. The next thing, I said the same thing. I tell them we're on the same team. We're here to help you do your job better. I'm sure you guys are here to help us do our job better. Anything we can do to make you win, look good, we're going to do. And, you know, hopefully we can both render high quality service to this principal while they're here. Just let me know. You hear anything, call me personally. I do the whole, the same thing. And then the whole engines for the whole thing sets the frame up perfectly social intelligence social dynamics is really how you win at this game anyways absolutely continue. yeah and, and the other thing as well is you don't know when you might be coming back to that hotel with another principal so you could be simply setting yourself up to fail by the next if you went in there and start acting all precious and you know entitled then you walk in there with another principal a month later and they'll go fuck you we're going to make your life difficult. <laughs> I've seen that it happen guy, to other teams. That one yeah. guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, that guy's here again. Okay, good. You know, breakfast is showing up 30 minutes late. He'll be yeah. all right. Absolutely. Yeah, or oh, we won't allow you to do the advanced check-in. So your principal is going to have to stand at reception and have to go through that BS at two in the morning when he's landed, you know. There's so many. Nobody things. wants that. That's why, <laughs> we, that's why you don't get a call again if that happens. I saw your lovely film about actually advances at the airport. I really like that, Byron. You hit all the markers on that one, mate. Really, really good. Yeah. Here, thank you, man. It's it's no, it's, it's uh, good. One of the most valuable things for me is hearing guys out in the game. They're like, "Okay, I had to do an advance. I didn't know what to do, so I watched the video. I remembered the script. I walked in there, knocked it out of the park. Got my client on Brilliant. the tarmac. My client thought Brilliant. it was amazing, and I'm like." Man, this is good stuff. So thank you, I sir. It. I mean, no, it's really good, mate. Really good. And that's sort of that's the sort of stuff that people need. Again, one of the other things, patience. Patience mm-hmm. is a virtue, you know. Um, and you have to be patient about these things. And you have to realize that things, you know, it's it's like they always say the best made plans fall apart with first contact with the enemy. And that and they they always do. So you know, you've got to be patient with the principle. You've got to be patient with the timeframes. You've got to be patient with the drivers that you may have, you know, brought on board who are locals. You know, I've done a lot of operations as as you have as well, Byron, overseas in some shitty parts of the world. I mean, I did have one one occasion, which was actually in the Congo. And I was down there on the advance with a local driver. And we the principal flew in. And uh, and literally, I'm waiting at the, you know, the arrivals hall. You know, I don't know whether you've been down there as... It's basic to put it mildly, and yeah. um, and the driver hadn't left the air conditioning on. It was absolutely cooking there. That's um, <laughs> so I get the principal off the plane. He's already just got off an eleven-hour flight. He's knackered and tired. Take him to the vehicle. 
the driver should have sorted out everything, should have kept the, the engine running, the, the cabin cool, so the principal walk into that. You know, it's the small detail as well. You know this, Byron. You know, I, mm. I've looked after some principals where I'll make sure I know what's their favorite type of mineral water. So you have that okay. in the cabin already loaded. You know, it's basic. I'm asking the PAs for all the all the cheat codes, man. You know, Absolutely. So the all land, the cheat codes. Absolutely. Anyway, I got to the car. And the guy went, oh, I'm going to go and pay for the, I'm going to go and pay for the, the parking. And the principal's sitting in this cookbox in the, in the back of the, uh, the vehicle. And I just went, I know the route. Bye. <laughs> Left him behind. I just drove. <laughs> yep, that's awesome. That's real EP, man. Hashtag real EP stuff right there. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> and this yeah. is a learning experience driver. We'll oh, see yeah. the whole trust trust no one. If it's local, <laughs> if it's local talent, don't trust them. They're gonna fuck you 100%. up every single time. <laughs> I can't stress enough how true that is. Turn off your music. You have to, you have to be in that seat right next to them because the things they'll yeah. do, things they culturally think are okay or that they yeah. think are tactically prudent. You just have to stay on top of them. They have different cultures, sometimes different standards, and it's just a yeah. thing. I mean, it can be the basics. I mean, you know this. You and I are both wearing, you know, ear- earphones, you know, for, for this interview. And one of the things I always say to drivers, and even when I'm training EPs, I always say that if you're driving, so like here in the UK where we drive on the right side of the road, you know, you guys drive on the wrong side, you know, make sure that if you've got an AirPod in, the one which is the nearest to the principal, make sure that AirPod is out so you can hear them if they're talking to you or they're making requests or they're asking you about something. If you've got both of them in, it doesn't work. So make yeah. sure it's only the one in which is next to the window, which on over here, so on this side. But for you guys, obviously over there, you know, it's little details because there's nothing worse when the principal's going, okay, so what's that over there? And the driver's like driving along in a world of his own. What would you say to, I mean, now that we're kind of talking about both and yeah, that's why I wear these aftershocks because they're open. So it, it works off the jaw and um, I, you know, I get away with some. I don't get paid as much as you, Byron. I can't afford those. I've only got the Apple ones, buddy. Get out of here, man. Um, what would you say are some differences that you've noticed working with working around the world, but things that you'd like to mention about where you're working over across the pond um, in the EP industry. What's it like? How can we get a feel for it out there? Well, um, culturally, do your homework. If you're going into a country like a a Middle Eastern country where, you know, there's a Muslim faith, which is predominant, or Islamic faith that is predominant, understand there's times for prayer, for example. So you're going to have to work your journey management around these sort of things. And again, be sympathetic if you're using local drivers. Um, I remember I had one CEO uh, for a large US firm who was doing, again, a road trip around uh, the Middle East. We flew into Qatar and the emir was supposed to meet with him. And his PA, now bear in mind, our role is not only protectors in the advanced capacity, but also as personal assistants as well. And the Amir, I turned up at the office on the advance just to check all the security, the entries, to make sure that when we came in, the vehicle registration numbers were known at the huts, at the security huts, so they could get the barriers up super quick, so we didn't go into a choke on the outside, all the basic stuff. You know what it is. You know the stuff. A little sad, anyway, we'll make you look like a bunch of idiots. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want you, you to be a hot knife, you know, a hot knife through, through butter. Anyway, we turn yeah. up, and the Amir's and his assistant comes out, and he goes, uh, um, Mr. Geddes, I'm afraid... Your, uh, you know, uh, the Amir is out of country, so he won't be here for your principal tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, and he's flying in, especially on his private jet. So I literally had to use some smile, some charm, 
you know, some 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 good politesse to basically say, look, you know, the principal's flying in. He's he's gone to a lot of effort. This is a very important deal. Da 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 da. da. You know, can you see what you can do about fixing this? It's a it's a bit like one of my minor tricks always for getting upgraded on flights yeah. is that it's always key to make sure that you lean in so nobody else can hear. So you're not putting uh, that uh, that that uh, ticket sort I of issue up, you know, under pressure. And you go, are you looking for any upgrades? And say it with your best smile you can. And how it's amazing how many of them will amazing how many of them will go. Yeah, we might be able to, and they stick up, but do it quietly. That's that's my secret. Okay. So I did this with this guy, and then literally I sat there for like three four hours drinking the most you know strongest coffee ever because they have the coffee pourer guys who come around and literally top up your cup. And uh, and I'm like, you could peel me off the ceiling. I'd had so much caffeine in me. And they came back and said, "Oh, the Emir will fly back in for the meeting." I'm like, oh. but right. but the principals never know that. The principals will never find out that we do yeah. all this stuff behind the scene. You know, we are the proverbial swans. We glide smoothly on the surface where our feet are paddling like fuck underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And those and those are such big wins for us. I think it's really interesting because while you have to have the hard skills and you have to be able to be surgical with a chainsaw, that story right there, that's like an that's like an action-packed, like that just knowing the service you want to render and what must happen and what you must execute. In this executive protection game, that's real EP stuff right there, you know? Yeah. Not yeah. fired. Then the client comes through every time, no idea, gracefully moves through, and you have, like, stopped all these bombs and, you know, fixed all the trip wires, and then they just have a nice day. God bless them. And the biggest compliment is them just maybe not even noticing that all the things that you averted, you know, to clear I had I, I had another one as well, and and Baron, you'll appreciate this because because uh, you know you 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 know that you have to even if you aren't naturally charismatic, you've got to deal you know develop a bit of charisma in this business. Right. You can't be you know from extra you know central casting bodyguard like that. You you got you got to be friendly. You got to be interpersonal. And I had this one trip to uh, to China. I had an executive flying in on his private jet, some high level meetings. And I got to the lounge in London, uh, Heathrow, to fly out. And there was this, uh, and I'm always observant. And that's the other thing we always must be doing. You never know when something's going to happen. So I'm observant of everything around me. And there was this middle-aged woman, amongst many others, who I just noted, and that was it. And people are in the lounge. We then boarded the aircraft. She then comes into business class and walks past me. And I go, oh, yeah, same woman. Yeah, spotted her. And she looked and looked at me. Then we arrived in uh, Beijing, uh, sorry, Shanghai, and I went to the Peninsula Hotel, which is where the, the principal was staying, checked in. As I'm, I'm being super quick, and you learn how to move through airports super quick when you're an EP and you haven't got yeah. a principal, and also the pack, only carry on. Never take hold luggage, always carry on. And uh, anyway, so she, she, she walks in the reception and she's like, and looks at me again. Anyway, the next day happens, principal turns up, we pick him up, goes all smoothly. And he wants to go to a factory, which is out in the, the sort of the outsides of in the countryside of uh, China, outside Beijing. So we drive out there and then literally the, him and a delegation of executives are wandering around this factory. And then they come out and I notice that this middle aged woman is there again. Anyway, oh, yeah. I just keep myself to myself. I smile. Don't say a thing. And then literally at the end of the trip, the principal, I'm taking him to the private jet. And he turns around and he says, uh, he says um, Will, I've got to tell you something that will make you laugh. And I said, what's that? And he said, one of our main board directors 
Um, she spotted you in, in Heathrow and then she kept seeing you everywhere on the plane, in the reception. And now at the factory, and she went, who the fuck is this guy? And he went, he's my EP. <laughs> and she was like, and, and, I, and I said, you know, he said that the reason why she noted you was because she looked uh, as her brotherhood taught her that when she travels, and this is for the non-EP people who may be watching this, um, yeah. as maybe a bit of advice. And her brother had always said to her, when you travel, look for someone who you could go to that you feel is competent to get you out of trouble if something happens. And obviously there were shorter people on that flight. So I was the guy. <laughs> so you were the guy. That's awesome. No, that's good, man. And that's actually a really good, um, I don't think I've ever said that before, but that's a really good principle for women to consider, you know, like everywhere they go, I get, you know, I get messages, you know, I was in a supermarket and some guy was following me around and I was with my kids or I was being followed. What do I do? Um, yeah. Look for someone who can help you. And also, use yeah, those images, you know, get someone on the phone that can help you. Who in your environment can walk you to your car if you feel unsafe? Who in your environment can do that? Absolutely. Things? You know, one of the biggest boundaries, I think, for a lot of women in their personal protection, their personal safety, is their concern that they may be bothering someone unnecessarily. You know, it's like when I give seminars about personal protection to civilians, the one thing I'll say is, how many of you guys have called 911? And so few hands will go up. And then I'll yeah. say, how many of you guys historically have thought about calling 911? And all the hands shoot up. And I go, we're paying our taxes, guys. What's stopping you actually, darling? It's like... One of my catchphrases with my clients is I say, if you're thinking of calling me, it should already be ringing at my end. Yeah, 100%. That's good. That's good. Because we can't help with what we don't know. And it's one of the most frustrating things because we have the, we, we spend our life to be able to help you. Like put yeah. me in, coach, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Put um, me in, coach. <laughs> yeah, come on, coach. Uh, you mentioned uh, hostage negotiations and things like that. Can you talk yeah. a little bit more about I can. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done about a, so I do a lot of blackmail cases, a lot of extortion and a few kidnappings. So on the kidnapping front, I was trained by these two guys who were brilliant, who used to run the uh, hostage negotiation training here in the UK for the UK constabularies or the police forces. And they used to go over to Quantico and they used to train alongside their counterparts at the FBI um, and, you know, they, they always said the FBI were absolutely phenomenal when it came to hostage negotiation and kidnappings. But they, they were my mentors, again, great mentors, taught me about negotiation. And I've dealt with about, it's about 11 cases now where I've had people who've been taken, uh, you know, for money. Various, you know, usually the express kidnaps, which are the super quick ones you see in places like Mexico City where they take you, they get you to go around, you probably by force with a gun or knives or whatever, get you to enter your ATMs, you know, your cards until you max out the limit. If you get a really bad one, they will basically keep you overnight till the cards reset, you know, for the next day's trading and then do it again. Uh, I've had a few cases where children have been taken. I've had a few dead bodies, uh, not of my making, where we've had to negotiate for the release of the body. And I've had, and this is why things like proof of life is so important, because you want to continually establish, obviously, whether the, the hostage is in still good nick. And the thing I always say to on the beginning of any kind of uh, negotiation, and this is really key, is the better, uh, you, in your best interest, the better condition that the hostage is held in, the better this goes for everybody. If you, if you abuse them, you don't treat them well, you mistreat them, you don't feed them, you don't water them, you know, then, then they could deteriorate. Sometimes you may 
emphasize a particular medical condition that they might have. Could be asthma, could be, and if your principals are smart enough, if they come in and say, you're suffering from asthma, and they go, huh? Well, it's not going to help them, but they realize that they don't, they don't want to be in somewhere moldy, you know, somewhere really unpleasant. So, again, you know, what, what I'll do is, you know, if you're working with the professional kidnappers, brilliant. That is the best thing you can ever ask for. It's when you're working with some buckshy outfit. But, again, I've had a few cases where the hostage has been traded. So you'll have the snatch team, which will come and grab the principal, and then they'll sell them onto a cartel. They'll sell them onto a big group. And then you hope, you know, it is a bigger group who are well rehearsed and, and used to it. And as I said to clients, it's an economic, it's a transaction. That's all it is. It's an economic transaction. So it's about finding a figure. And I usually use when I'm training people in negotiation, I use a graph where basically you've got time up here and then you've got cash amount or US dollar amount. And it's generally in USDs uh, down here. They'll start up mm -hmm. super high on day one. Okay. So it's only over time that you start bringing these two points together over time. And there it's, you know, and it's never as quick as you always want it to be unless it's an express and then it's super quick. And then it's usually quite quick. One of the biggest challenges is getting money into locations, you know, and doing the ransom drop. And it's whether you can also trust local law enforcement. And there are some countries where I've been into where, I mean, there was a great story in the Philippines. It wasn't my case where uh, the, the Philippines uh, police force, they sent one of their police officers off to do the ransom drop. And uh, and a few hours had passed and they went, so where's the hostage? And they went, well, where's the money? And they went, well, we sent our guy off a couple of hours ago and he'd legged it with the money. <laughs> of course, of course. And and I think sometimes our international counterparts, <clears throat> you know, and I, I hear my friends at dinner parties or people being like, law enforcement here is so corrupt and i think like my mexican buddies and my buddies overseas are just like you guys have no idea no idea no idea, no idea. Yeah. like ignorance is just god bless you which yeah, god bless you anyway no lunchbox money you know on the freeway right now god you know anyway so this is very interesting it's it's awesome so yeah, I mean, kidnap kidnap preparedness is really good. It's very important for a for a, you know if he's got an EP, which is fine. But you may be asked to come in, and, you know, if you're experienced enough, you may be yeah. asked to come in and give advice and give counsel. And one of the things that I always look at is medical information. Definitely on an EP side, you look at if anybody's got any conditions that could be exasperated by the climate, by the the stress, by the challenge. Doing medic training, I just finished doing five days worth of top up medical training. Um, that is essential. You've got to do that, and uh, and don't think it's a it's it's not important because you could be you know what if your principal does take you know a shot there could be a ricochet there could be a car crash you know I had a a billionaire's wife who was driving through London and you know London's kind of crazy I don't know whether you've been here Byron but it's, oh, yeah. it's a, yeah I'm sure you have next yeah, time buddy we're having beers when you come over really circus so, Lanesboro. Yeah, she's Lanesboro. Not that's yeah. just up the road from me, buddy. Just around the corner. So literally, yeah. they had an RTD. They had a crack into the back of the vehicle. And this is where a chase vehicle is super helpful. Uh, I had the and and literally we could cross deck the principal straight into the vehicle and got away. But she had a bit of whiplash. The guys had a medic bag on. They had Panadol. They had ibuprofen. They had enough to be able to sort of administer some pain management, if nothing else. 
I was when the team reported it into me and said, "Hey, uh, Will, we had an RTC." I'm like, "Oh God, no, please, no!" And they went, and it wasn't their fault. It was some idiot who went into them, and uh, they said, "But we administered, you know, uh, we checked her, we made sure she was okay." And this woman was in her 70s, so she was quite frail. And I called her up and I said, "I heard you had a bit of an eventful day." And she said, "Yes, Will, it was kind of challenging." And I said. And, and I just went quiet. And that's another secret to EP. Sometimes, Wait. although you probably couldn't tell from this podcast because I talk so much, but you awesome. just shut up and let them talk. And she turned around and said, yep. but your guys were great. They were brilliant. They looked after me. They took care of me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and that medical stuff is so important. I can't stress it enough. Everyone's like, oh, what, what hard skills should I get? And I'm like, you have the highest probability of using your medical training than anything yeah. else. And then your driving training probably next. And then yeah. if you how to do the thing, then learn how to use the firearms, all that stuff. I want to come out to your training. I want to come out to your training with the, the, the cars, love buddy. I want to come and do that. That's I love that stuff. It's all good. We, we got to do it. We got to do it. What would you say to a guy that's on an executive protection detail? Say a client does get abducted and you're the detail leader and you're getting phone yeah. calls. What's the next move? What role can um, you know an EP guy play in that? So the EP guy really, yeah, they call me. Yeah. <laughs> and then I call you and then we get, we both go down there. So yeah, now, I mean, in the first instance, you've got to set up your crisis cell. That's really key. I've set up crisis cells in hotel rooms. I've set them up in offices, in conference rooms, in people's homes, and you need a, just a dedicated area, which can be remain sterile. Now you as an EP, unless you're directly involved in the negotiation, your first actions on should be protect anybody else that's around Obviously, that principle. So the wife, the children, if they're in town, or the other executives, if they're in town. So, you know, it's 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 then to look back at your own planning. And we have to we have to be honest with ourselves and look at whether we set any predictable patterns of behavior or uh, or patterns within our movements on the principle. And it does depend on obviously how soon they've been in the country. You know, have they literally just landed? Where did that information come from? And we have a we have a saying in uh, in in sort of uh, kidnap and ransom. It's uh, the seventy percent rule, and in seventy percent of kidnappings, it's someone on the inside who's fed information or intelligence to the kidnappers, unless okay. it's something really spontaneous. But if you're running a tight tunnel from the moment they get off the jet to the moment they get to the hotel, the moment they get to the office or whatever venues it is, then there's got to be some intel that's getting out. So you've got to do a complete in on all your infosec, just make sure you're you're keeping all your comms clean. Get your guys to also, depending on where you are, if you're in somewhere really kind of super hostile, you know, it could be the Yemen or it could be the Sudan or somewhere, then also be prepared to be able to zero out your kit. Um, because if there's if anybody gets picked up by the cops, you certainly don't want to enable them to be able to review any of your information or anything like that. So, I mean, it's like, that's why I wear the Garmin. It's got a great kill, kill switch on it, you know. Hey, yeah, man, the team Garmin, one hundred percent. Yeah, so get yourself a Garmin, guys. We're not yeah, making any question. Yeah, <laughs> Apple Watch. You know, I can't take you seriously. You got the Apple Watch. <laughs> no, anyways, watch I agree. Number. I agree. Even yeah. the Ultra. Even the Ultra. Forget it. It's got to be black. You and me, brother. Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I would say so. Look at review your intel, see what your movements have been. Who was aware of your uh, plan? Um, is it someone local? Was the information potentially accessible? Was the information left in the client's office? I mean, I, I've had a number of times where 
the hotels. That's another job that you do. It's housekeeping as well as dog walking, as well as bag carrying and everything else. It's housekeeping. You know, we do a dress down on a principal's room every time they leave, you know, to make sure there's nothing secure um, or something compromising or confidential that's been left there. It could be files, could be notes, could be scribbles on a pad next to the phone by the bed. But, you know, they were on a conference call and they just wrote down some useful stuff, telephone numbers, you know. Um, so you've got to do a full cleanup on that. You've got to make sure that you really keep close ties on everyone else, make sure there aren't anybody anybody else that could be kidnapped and set up that crisis right. self. Get it ready, get it secured, get it uh, functional. It needs to have access for food, it needs to have access to washrooms. Um, it has to have potentially access to bedrooms. So like, for example, I've taken over a half a floor, but also you know, posted EPs on that floor to make sure nobody can get into that sterile environment. You know, when the negotiation team comes in, they're going to be wanting to live, breathe, shit, sleep, eat in that environment. And that's why hotels are kind of good. And I, I also always suggest that if you go, when you go into a country, if you're on the advance, look at also contingency hotels. The, 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 the PA may not have done that, but, you know, one of the things that I was doing a lot in the Middle East was you know, we're very conscious about certainly big Western hotels being targeted by Al Qaeda or by Islamic State, you know, or, yeah. and, you know, I remember there was a situation for the European Bank of Reconstruction Development in Moscow, even, where they had an office uh, there and they all used to go and drink in this hotel, this five star hotel in Moscow. Actually, no, sorry, St. Petersburg, I think it was. And they were in this particular hotel, but there was also a lot of government ministers, but there were also lots of local mafia, you know bigwigs who were there and you, yeah. they got a rival gang come in to take out the competition and killed about 10 of ebrd's employees because they were drinking in the same watering hole so looking at contingent hotels if that hotel for whatever reason you're not comfortable with the security you can make recommendations say hey i just don't feel that we can secure you well enough here or this is an rpg magnet because it's full of local ministers there's a big anti-government sentiment so you, you've got to do your your homework and everything else Right. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> no, no, it's all this is amazing information. It's like a hip pocket class happening right now. So, you know, just basically look at where the information, the holes could be in your operation. Sanitize, yeah. be ready to sanitize things if you're in a hostile environment. Set up your mm-hmm. uh, crisis Your crisis cell. cell. Yeah. Workspace where you're going to bring in the different assets, negotiators, and really run the operation to try to get whoever it is back from that place. And yeah, awesome. and if need be, and if need be, you know, you you go out. So let's say if you're in China, and I've had a yeah. few cases there. Now we know that MSS, you know, domestic intelligence are super hot on surveillance, uh, physical, technical, and everything else. And there are a lot of countries in Africa, uh, Europe, all over the place. And if you want to keep it sanitized, maybe deploy some of the guys. So like, whenever I landed in China, I would tell my principal never to bring his own phone because the moment you leave the uh, the airport the IMSI captures will get you. So the man in the middle interceptions, or they'll take down the encryption on the cell sites. So literally the moment you turn your phone on, it will register to what you believe is China's cell, but actually you're hitting a a man in the middle and outside Beijing. The last time I checked, it was like 2,800 listing posts outside the airport. So you, I would have a burner cell, buy it with cash, buy some pay-as-you-go, as as we call them, you know, sort of uh, um, SIM cards, which you could just pay for in cash, just buy lots of sort of top-up cards, and then literally your boss is on, you know, basically comms whenever he wants. And he, I remember when I did this with him, um, this was again on the Beijing trip, and there was this really fun time where he came out and he was like, 
well, you're overblowing this. You know, this isn't as as bad as you keep saying it is. And I, and, I go, and I go, you see the old beggar that's sitting across the street over there? And he goes, yeah. I say, well, just take a really good look. Just just try and memorize that that face and that look. And he goes, okay, I will. We drove off. We're at a restaurant with some business clients of his later in the evening. And when yeah. we come out of the dinner and we're going and doing the bus with the vehicles outside, I went, hey, boss, recognize that guy over there. And this is on the other side of town. Yeah. The beggar is sat there, OP uh-huh. undertaking surveillance. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're blooded. You're blooded to this guy forever. You're his guide. I mean, I mean, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's awesome. Man, so but we get some good stories in our game, don't we? I mean, that the, the, the yeah. one thing you and I we'd we'd have to we'd have to say. Yeah, you're not going on the jets all the time. Actually, to be honest, I hate being on a private jet with a principal. I don't know about you. Yeah, 100%. It's close quarters. I'd rather man. go commercial. I'd rather do advance. I go in, I hide, I get small, I mind my business. <laughs> I just, you know, and I'm, yeah, 100% advance. Advance is where it's at. Get yourself, be competent at advancing, be yeah. competent at setting it up, get the reports right so you can go see the world. <laughs> and yeah. get things done i mean it's it's that's the way you know get a little yeah. seniority on the team. you know some of the guys run, don't like to do it because they don't like paperwork or they don't like whatever i say man become the guy the advanced guy when you can it's a good life it's a great op that's, that's and, and be that guy who becomes indispensable who who gets everything for the rest of the team be that guy who uh who says who wants a cup of coffee and goes off and gets everyone a coffee be that guy who goes, who says, let me run that favor for you. You know, be that guy. Don't be, don't think you're ever too big. It's like, I remember I was training this big, big corporate executive team, uh, the chairman, the CEO, the COO, everybody else. And, uh, and I was training them in crisis management and how to work together as a team and who does what, when, and how. So, you yeah. know, you'll have your usual representation. You've got your chairman, you've got your CEO, head of finance, head of legal, head of comms, uh, head of HR, Everybody has something to contribute. And it was about when you're not required, don't try and inject on other people because of your seniority. Let them do what they need to do. If they want your help, they'll ask for it. But you do then decide things as a committee. And it was when the chairman turned around to everybody else around the table after a five-hour exercise, and I really punished them. And this is a mega company. And he turns around and says, who'd like a cup of tea? And I just thought, my job has been, my job's been done. You know, I've achieved what I need to do achieve. Serve the team, man. Serve the team. That that's that's like, and I think if you can take that one thing, and then we kind of it it's popped up at multiple times. You know, when you get to a hotel, let them know you're on the same team. You're there to serve them. They're there to serve you. Let all these different people know the PAs, the drivers, all the different people around you. If you can let them know you're there to serve, it just will. That's how you win. That's how you win. Good yeah. leadership. I tell my guys, you know, I need every single one of you from the. From the guy doing halls and walls to all the way up to my position, every single one of you is a leader. I need the information yep. you have in order to make good command decisions. That's how you lead and serve this team. I need you to be out there to be able to make decisions. You're going to be leading when you're by yourself. And my act of yep. service to you guys, policies, procedures, and trying to make decisions that serve you guys as best as possible. So it's all the same thing, you know. So I couldn't agree with you more, man. That's good stuff. 
And the other thing I'll drop drop in there real quick there, Byron, is uh, some guys say, you know, I get, you know, uh, my TL's getting uh, impatient with me or they start snapping at me or whatever and or micromanaging me. And I always turn around and say, the only reason someone will micromanage you is if you're not pushing enough information to them. They feel that there's a void between you and them and the information they need. So push that information to them. Don't deluge them with crap and nonsense they don't need to know about. But be willing to channel information because your TL is going to be constantly recalibrating what you might be doing over and beyond what your set plan might be. So, you know, be supportive. Don't sit there sulky, bad tempered because it's three in the morning. The principal's still out there with the table dancers and God knows what, you know, just just screw them up and, and be there. 100%. Don't get emotional. Like if someone's micromanaging you, they're insecure about your performance that you're getting things done that they so make them secure prove yourself yeah. prove yourself absolutely absolutely <laughs> you know um sometimes it's their issue but make sure it's not your issue uh, i agree with you 100 percent. what would you say i got some questions for you i got some questions for you Barry. i know this is your show you know i know this is your show but okay what are the what are the key things that you could kill your career as an ep the the fatal mistakes that an EP could make. Because I that that that's what I always find really helpful for guys to know what are the trip hazards, what are the things that if they do, they could end up just not being called. Yeah. I think, and it sounds so cliche, but that's because it's a thing, is the ego management, man. The guy you come in, maybe you get a good opportunity, you let it go to your head. Maybe the client starts to like notice you and like you. You're the flavor of the month. You're the flavor of the month. Our clients get tired of Lamborghinis and yachts, man. Like just yeah. just because you're, you know, getting some attention. It just so you're the flavor of the month, and you act like you think you're the man. You forget about your team. You will make a mistake when you start falling from grace. That client's gonna ask the boys, like, "Hey, what do you think about this Byron guy? Like, you know, he wears too yeah. many bracelets. You know, he made a wrong turn the other day. You know, that stuff's gonna happen. And then, yeah, absolutely, they're either gonna be like, you know what, Byron's a solid guy, which give him a little time to grow into the position. He's got the right heart. I think he's going to be an awesome asset. Or they're going to be like, yeah, I don't know about the Byron guy, you know? So this ego thing um, is really important. Have an ego about the right things. I have an ego about being, I do everything I can to be humble. I take pride in the way I serve my team, serve my clients. I take pride in the fact that I'm going to do a good job not even because of the client, the company. I'm going to do a good job because my last name's on it. And Byron Rogers Absolutely. does everything to do a good job. You know, so have an ego about the right things. That's one of the main ones. Um, I think there's a definitely something to be said for behavior on social media. You know, like, and I'm the social media, social media guy, you know, but you know, we're both out there. You know, we're like the yeah. other thing, right? <laughs> yours, yours is cool, though. Mine's kind of shitty, but yours is no, cool. Man, yours is like, yours is it's professional. It's clean, man. Everything you do is very professional. I love it. But you have Bye, to, thank you. Operational security is huge. You know, you're never going to mm-hmm. see my client. If I, if you see me with a celebrity, it's because I literally, like the guy, like, and I'm yeah, yeah, you know, like you, operational security is huge. You know, that's such guy- a you know what? It's a good point. I'm going to pick up on that celebrity one. That's such a good one. There are so many guys who I see their social media, and they have pictures of them next to whoever, mm-hmm. and it doesn't look cool. The, to be honest, you know, I looked after. I've looked after some really big people as of you, 
and you'll rarely see me in pictures. I had a I had a profile piece written on me by the Sunday Times newspaper, which is a big, you know, it's a big newspaper over here and uh, in their magazine. And they said, you know, got to tell us about some of the principles you've looked after. And I said, I can't, you know, that's it's confidential. But if there's a photograph of me with a principal, then yeah, you can refer to them. But I can't tell you what I did for them, but you can refer to it. And you find it, that's on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ha- having having pictures with with principals is not a good look. It, you want to try and make sure that you're stepping out of the way or using a strobe torch or whatever just to screw up the photographers if need be. But that's obviously only with like paparazzis. But yeah, the guys who are like absolutely smothering their Instagram and their Snapchat or whatever with pictures with them with every single celebrity. Number one, I probably think you're a doorman. And you literally just jumped into frame when they were leaving the venue. <laughs> or yeah. you've got zero, zero, zero competency. You don't need to go in there. You will be judged by how you present yourself. I don't care where, who you've worked for. If you're good, you come with the right attitude. You're honest. You've got integrity. And very important, my golden praise that I say to everybody is never be on time. Always be early. Always be around, 100%, 100%. So yeah, and I, I think the social media thing is another thing that wrecks guys. I have heard that there are certain client demographics that want to see who you've worked with. I personally will never post anything. But 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 I think also if you do that, it puts a glass ceiling on you and it corners you into that client demographic. I know a lot of the higher level corporate, the really clean stuff that the higher level guys are going to look at your IG or whatever. And they're going to be like, eh, now, if it is an open source photo, maybe there's a conversation about it, but I ain't doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And to be honest, you're, you're, you're more likely to enjoy the work and have longer, longativity. You know, you're going to have a more of a lifespan working with corporate than you are going to be working with celebrities. You know, you touched on a great point. I've worked on a few movies as a technical advisor. And I've been with these big name Hollywood stars, you know, and I've been teaching them how to run and gun and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and they're your best buddy in the world when you're doing a movie. Moments yeah. the movie's over, they've gone. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. My little heart and was broken. My little heart was broken. You know, like I thought we were. I thought we had it. No, and your brand is attached to whoever you show. Yeah. So yeah. their brand does this. Your brand does this. You know, like it's it's very it's good point. Involved. Very good point. You're now a target if anyone's trying to get to them. So if you have yeah, a family, yeah. you know, and things like that. So I think those are two huge things. If I was going to say a third thing um, that I got that guys should really look out for, you know what I would, I would actually bring it back to um, physical fitness and, and your training. I think the biggest, one of the huge biggest pitfalls that I do see very often is guys get a job and they're just like, cool, I'm good. And like, well, you know, like, you just said you just tuned up your medical, you know, like, like when's the last time you went and you ran some medical or, or when's yeah. the last time you invested in yourself? And, you know, and guys are just like, yeah, I've been in this industry 10 years. Like when's the last time you went to any training? It's like you were in the Navy SEALs 15 years ago. The battlefields changed 800 trillion oh, times since then. Massively. <laughs> like, do you know that you still can do it? Cause I, I, it, it happened to me. I went to Iraq yeah. twice Came out, my civilian buddy, Luke Agajanian's like, hey, bro, why don't you come shoot with us? Why don't you come shoot a competition with us? I'm like, you know who I am? I'm like, United States Marine, you know? And he's like, (laughs) we go to a shooting competition. I got a 17-year-old girl mopping the floor with me. I, I have to accept the fact that I'm not going to Valhalla. 
you know, like this. You know? <laughs> so, you know, and my eyes are open, you know, to the world. Of, it's of so you. true. And, you know, um, I, say, I, I say this a lot, Byron, to, to, to guys who've just come out of the military. I do a lot of talks for resettlements, you know, where we have these guys, they're looking at, you know, post-military service, coming into Civvy Street, what they're going to do. And I always say, I always start, well, you know, I have my 10 commandments, which I generally mm -hmm. go through about if you're going to come into our world, what you're going to do. Don't ask me. I probably won't remember all of them. But one of them was, if you think you've operated in hostile environments, think again. Civvy Street is the most hostile environment you're ever going to work in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, the social dynamics around it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. The, the, the one person you've got to try. I mean, the biggest stumbler for me on most operations, and there may be a few of them who will watch this and, uh, and they'll probably cackle, has been the executive assistant, personal assistant. That is someone you really need to get on side, but they can be up. Yeah, oh yeah, because they're like they're like a power broker, you know. So you're either good with them, or you're just not going to make it. Probably, or your job will be hard, you know. So it's yeah, understanding like your place and understanding how to serve and manufacture, procure, and foster high quality relationships is really how you win in this game. So I'm absolutely, I mean, I always say to them, I always say, look. My job is here, get the principal around safe. I'm here to also make you look good. Let's work together to achieve that. I don't need the glory. I don't want the glory, but let's make you look good. And if you don't work with me and this thing comes apart and the wheels start wobbling, I don't, I'm not the only person who's gonna go down. You'll go down as well and we'll both look shit. So let's work together. 100%, that's the game. Well, awesome. This has been amazing. You know, I couldn't ask for, we got to do another one because it can tell me and you can kick this back and forth. Um, so thanks so much for coming in and hanging. Um, it's been a privilege, I, buddy. Thank you. Yes, sir. No, likewise, likewise. I, we got to do something together. You got to come out and train with us sometime as well. Love to, love to. Final question. How would you like to be remembered? Oof. What's it all for, you know? Oh my God! There's a God. That's an, oh my God! That's such a question. <laughs> oh my Lord! You've done oh the Colombo on me, haven't you? And another <laughs> thing. Um, actually, some of the audience won't get our references because I'm old. Um, what do I want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for being the nice guy who could turn it on when he needed to. That's awesome. I'm, we're we're a lot alike. I'm the same way. That's a good one. The nice guy, he will serve you, make sure you're good, taken care of. But if it's time to fight, we end the fight. We we don't fight. <laughs> I love it. Hey, it's such an honor, sir. Thank you, brother. Course. Thank you, sir. Looking forward to it, Byron. Absolute honor. Thanks, buddy. Take care, man. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom, and to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what 
helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions. Thank you.